This is the Latter-day Strength Podcast, and I'm your host, Steve Baer. Today is episode 12, and we are talking about loving Christ versus loving our community. In this episode, I'm going to share a little bit about my own professional endeavors and some principles I think you can apply from these professional endeavors uh, and apply them to your faith. So just a little bit more background on me. I attended and graduated from BYU, so go Cougs. I served a mission in Caracas, Venezuela, which was life-changing. I married my wife, Jenny, in the Salt Lake Temple, and we are the parents of seven children. We raise our children in the gospel with a focus on coming into Christ and being perfected in Him. We live in Utah, though we've spent time on the East Coast, in the Pacific Northwest, and in Arizona, while I climbed the corporate ladder during my first career. But back in 2013-2014, I got the entrepreneurial bug when my wife started her own business, which led me to eventually co-found an e-commerce business with a friend of mine. After some time building that business, I sold my half of it to him. And then I went on to build a personal coaching and leadership development company for the following three years with a fr- another friend of mine. And now I'm transitioning into a combination of all the things I've ever done with a foundational profession of an HR strategist and consultant. In other words, I help small businesses establish a strengths-based culture and then attract the right employees based on that culture. So the last three years of my career have been spent doing a deep dive into the Clifton Strengths program, which is formerly known as the Gallup Strengths Finder. The first time I heard about it, I was like, it was like being served up dried chicken. <laughs> very bland, very boring. The second time I dived in a little bit more and it was like eating some good chicken nuggets from, you know, like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it was good. It was satisfying, but I only partook occasionally. And then the third time I started to really feast on this information as I worked and partnered with my friend and his coaching and leadership development company. This was the kind of chicken I would come back to over and over and over again. It was delicious and I feasted. So the last 10 years, I've been a bit of a personal development junkie. And in fact, I recall a time while my wife was working with a coach, uh, teaching some cool concepts. And I thought to myself, man, why don't they talk about this stuff in general conference? (laughs) Well, I came to discover that Elder Maxwell, of all people, tended to teach the kinds of principles that I found in the, this particular coaching program that my wife was doing. But in the middle of my enthusiasm for personal coaching, someone said to me, the only personal development program I need is the gospel. I wanted to believe that statement, but in my heart, I knew it was incomplete, not only for this person, but for the countless good people I've met who are very religious and very good people, but could still really use a coach to help them with their mindset and with their attitude, including myself. But my pendulum has swung both ways, between personal development focus and gospel focus. My mission, of course, was wholly devoted to using the gospel to develop myself personally. Twelve years later, when I was looking at a career change, it came about because of personal development coaching work. Today, after many years of personal development focus, my pendulum has swung back to developing myself through the in-depth application of gospel principles. And that is kind of one of the underlying focuses of this podcast, is to combine those things, but not in a philosophies of men mingled with scripture kind of way, 
but in a way where it's like you can find these gems about personal development within the context of the scriptures. Now, through all the years, I've witnessed that personal development is often viewed through that lens of philosophy of men mingled with scripture. And truth be told, that can be a fair observation, but it's a bit short-sighted. So let me explain and elaborate on that a little bit further. And let me do so by pointing out Doctrine and Covenants section 88, verse 78, which says, Teach ye diligently, and my grace shall attend you, that you may be instructed more perfectly in theory, in principle, in doctrine, in the law of the gospel, in all things that pertain unto the kingdom of God that are expedient for you to understand. So there's like seven, six things right there. We are to be instructed more perfectly in first theory. Well, theory can be, actually, I think it's more often considered to be a secular focus. Principle, I think that can be both secular and spiritual. Doctrine, I would view that as spiritual. Law of the gospel, spiritual. In all things that pertain unto the kingdom of God, I see that as both. And then here's the kicker that are expedient for you to understand. So let me pause and reiterate that there is no other name whereby man can come unto God, but in and through Jesus Christ. Knowledge, aptitude, proficiency, research, expertise, persuasiveness, and many other traits that have a utilitarian purpose will not necessarily get us to Christ. As I shared from Ether chapter 12, faith in Christ, hope to behold great and marvelous things, and exercising the pure love for Christ brings us unto the fountain of all righteousness. But let me show my commitment to this fundamental gospel principle by sharing some of the some professional stories to illustrate. So in the coaching program and community I helped develop over the last few years, one of the guiding principles is that each one of us is infinitely unique. And how we approach the world, our problems, how we parent, build businesses, grow marriages, provide for our families, maintain our health, all of these things are based on our own strengths, our own unique experiences, and our own perspectives. This uniqueness actually makes comparison irrelevant. And what I mean by that is somebody might stand on stage who has a formula for success or joy or happiness or parental marriage happiness and relationships. And the way that they do it is by leveraging the things that make them unique. They leverage their own strengths. And so when somebody else tries to implement those things, if their nature is not in alignment with the instruction from that speaker, people will actually end up doing things that are completely contrary to who they are. I saw this a lot in the network marketing space people trying to mimic the behavior of other successful individuals. And sometimes it went very poorly. And so one of my focuses as a consultant and as a coach is to help people align their nature and their strengths with how they actually do life and then find success in applying those those principles that are unique to them instead of trying to be like somebody else and do it their way. What we get to do 
is to combine proven success principles with our infinitely unique strengths and perspectives in order to create joy and results for ourselves. Most of the time, we are critical of our differences, but this coaching modality teaches us to celebrate our differences, to celebrate the fact that we all do things differently, that we come to the table with a different perspective, with different desires, motivations, and goals. And so as it pertains to coming unto Christ, we all do it differently. There are foundational principles that we must be, that must be adhered to for success, but how we live those principles is a journey we get to go on with the Lord as he teaches us how and why we do what we do in our own journey back towards Christ. And frankly, I don't think that Christ is trying to turn all of us into a unibody of saints who think, dress, behave, and feel the same. I, I believe that Paul's teaching about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12 is an example of how he values our differences, which I think has application both in this life and in the eternities to come. A lot of pain occurs within the confines of the gospel and the church and the church culture because of how we judge others for choosing to do the gospel differently than we do. But when we recognize that it's not that they are doing the gospel differently, they're just living their lives differently within the confines of the gospel, maybe we can have the kind of compassion we generally have for people who simply don't believe as we do. So understanding strengths in a professional capacity gave me a language to celebrate our differences and to validate others as productive, creative, connected, and impactful human beings, even when we operate differently and come at a problem from different motivations, even within the gospel. And these are things I'll talk about in future episodes. The gospel naturally creates community. Because the desire to understand truth causes us to gather together with other people with whom we can speak the language. And over the last three years, I was instrumental in developing and creating a community of individuals who all wanted to understand this modality, this strengths modality at a deeper level. With the unique spin that my former business partner brought to the table. So in the process, we created a path of development one in which someone could grow their skills through the application of specific requirements. The result was this coaching certification that helped effect a true transformation for about 100 people who participated, half of whom graduated. I'd like to tell you a little bit about this community because there are some interesting gospel parallels. So the community began right as COVID kicked off. Our online events ended up becoming a lifeline to people who were feeling isolated because of lockdowns and quarantines. People craved connection, even virtually, with people who would celebrate them instead of insisting that they change and conform. It ended up being very, very powerful. I discovered in many ways that what we were creating had similarities to a church. We had regular meetings, we had some fundamental articles of faith. You could call them that, though we didn't declare that they were such. We had a well-spoken, charismatic leader. We had opportunities for growth and participation. We even created opportunities for service. There was proselyting efforts to grow the community, which 
you know, translates into sales. You know, we encourage people to share and become affiliates and all that stuff. We had uplifting messages to inspire people. Uh, our messages celebrated people to be their best self and not excuse them to be their worst selves. We had jargon that became specific to our community. And we decided early on, early on that we wanted to have a culture, but not be cult-ish. So culture, but not be cultish. In building this group, I began to recognize the similarities between our online community and church, which is when I decided I would not implement certain principles found among churches within our coaching community. I was not interested in creating a church or a cult. Certain things I made sure people knew were that the leader was fallible <laughs> and his words should not be considered gospel. Uh, we tried not to regulate speech. We just tried to keep the messages focused on helping people who were trying to build their own businesses. We limited our discussions about God, but our obvious belief in God was acknowledged frequently. We didn't have codes of conduct that went beyond general online community standards. We encouraged individualism instead of groupthink. We encouraged people to use the content we were teaching to improve their relationships without insisting that they bring their relationships into the community. This was not the one true coaching program. <laughs> we didn't have mantras, no chanting, no hymns, no rituals, no initiations, no rites, no ordinances. We gave people the opportunity to do what the leader does. We elevated people and encouraged them to do things their way. Though the message could encompass one's entire life, we decided to keep it very centered on some very specific areas, mostly self-confidence, which then would apply to business and relationships and a little bit of health. We only had one excommunication, if you want to call it that. <laughs> but otherwise, we didn't have disciplinary councils to regulate the behavior and private lives of our members. We just had to remove somebody um, for violating some of our rules. We did not implement a fellowshipping program to keep members active. We did not pass around donation plates or act like this was a ministry. And we made it very clear that this was a business. Now, in hindsight, an argument could have been made that implementing some of these church-like principles could have made the business even more lucrative than it was. But those ideas violated my own core values. What does this have to do with the gospel? Well, Religion has a tendency to commercialize or monetize spirituality and connection with God. If you participate like this and pay like this, you can have salvation. If you follow these steps, A, B, C, all the way to X, Y, and Z, you will have salvation. And my belief is that the steps, if the steps outlined bring you value and ultimately bring you to Christ so that you can have faith, hope, and charity, then that's between you and the Lord. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I have been surrounded by good people doing their very best since I was a small child. I've also seen the good works of thousands of people whose lives are outside of the box of what we used to call Mormonism. And so I'll leave eternal judgment up to the Lord with my laissez-faire approach to life. But what religion does is it creates community. Community and connection with our fellow travelers is important. It's critical to our success. We crave support 
and commonality with people who live as we do, who strive as we do, who have the same goals and standards that we have, who believe in the same events that we believe in. However, commonality and community can end up becoming our false idol, the thing that we actually prioritize, the thing that we actually crave. And let me say that again. Commonality and community can end up becoming the thing that we worship. Our hearts become set upon being part of something instead of being the someone the Lord would have us become. Furthermore, we end up wanting someone to preach to us. We want religion to tell us what to do. We are actually so afraid of connecting with ourselves, and we become afraid of connecting with God. We fear that when we connect deeply with our own individuality and with our own personal mission that God would have us embark on, we will disconnect from our commonality and our community. We might view the potential journey as the ultimate submission of our wills to the Lord, which is a scary prospect. So one more story. The year is 2021, and I'm one of those guys who refused to get vaccinated. (laughs) And I refused to wear a mask. In saying that, you may choose to discount me, but I won't hide that opinion. As a result, I didn't go to church between March of 2020 and June of 2021. 15 months. I went to church once for Christmas. Otherwise, We actively participated in Zoom church, we partook of the sacrament at home, and had a family devotional amongst ourselves, and with some neighbors. During this time was when my mother passed away, and a few months later, as the holidays of 2020 came around, I fell into my own state of depression, losing one of the most impactful people in my life, combined with the overall state of the world left me in a place of grief and anger. However, no one from my ward showed up to find out how we were doing. No one bothered to ask or inquire. And frankly, I don't blame them. I wasn't exactly canvassing the neighborhood to inquire after other people either. We were all isolated, just as we were instructed to be. It was during this time, though, that my life was blessed by my online community. A non-denominational Christian from Florida who probably worships Christ with more fervor than me was there for me. Uh, There was a retired mental health professional from the Gulf Coast who offered to counsel me, even though her lifestyle and mine supposedly come into conflict. There was a Jewish gal with a black belt in karate from Long Island who gave me some stern talking tos. And this woman, she cared more about people and their feelings than I ever did. Then there was a Jehovah's Witness from Virginia who was always a listening ear. Yeah, she and I define God differently, but she has a heart of gold. They were the ones that reached out and said, Steve, how are you? Something seems off. It seems like you're struggling and I want to help. How can I help? Do you need someone to talk to? Do you need support? I had taken my temporary leave from one community for a time and built another one that offered the support I craved. The support was wonderful. 
but I was still learning that I was not relying on the Lord like I had in the past. I was letting my grief and anger stand in the way of my true connection with God. Now, much has changed since then, which I'll discuss in other episodes. I've been on the fast track of transformation over the last few years in which I've experienced at least seven transformative paradigm shifts. So the purpose of this podcast is to, in humility, turn my weak faith and my weak sight into something strong. And the side effect of putting my thoughts into words and broadcasting them to you is to invite your weak faith and your weak sight to become strong by relying wholly upon the merits of Christ, who is mighty to save. And that's 2 Nephi 31.19. So as we continue on this journey together, I'm going to weave professional and personal development concepts with gospel principles. My purpose is to use some of these frameworks to teach the gospel and help you live the gospel your way and use your gifts and talents to wholly rely on the merits of Christ, who is mighty to save. Also, this is my way of giving back. It's part of my consecration of my time and talents to building up the kingdom of God on the earth. As you go through the podcast, you'll see that some will be heavily centered on the gospel and others will be centered on personal development. If you decide you like the gospel-centric ones and not the personal development ones or vice versa, then skip those episodes. I run five different types of businesses. I do consulting work for small businesses, personal coaching work, internet marketing, network marketing, e-commerce, and sell info products. But one thing I will not sell are the insights I've had on these gospel themes and how they have helped me strengthen my reliance on the Savior and how they can help you strengthen your reliance on the Savior. These insights are a gift from the Lord that I will freely share to make my weak faith and my own weak sight stronger. I've learned from creating a community that could have become quasi-cultish that in the gospel, when we keep our eyes singly focused on Christ, community is the side effect. Zion is a goal, but not at the expense of faith in Christ. Community doesn't save. We get to wholly rely upon the merits of Christ. For he is mighty to save, he is the keeper of the gate, and he employeth no servant there. Of this I testify in my weakness. Amen. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong.